There in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 23, we see here in this text that, that Paul is continuing. He, in other words, he's building on what he had shared last week in the Word of God. So let's look here at these verses. The Bible says in verses 18 through 23, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men for, I, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. This is God's holy word. God, we come before you today thanking you for your precious word. Now, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of our mouth be pleasing unto you. And God, you move and you minister to each one where we are and help us, God, to become more of what you would have us to be. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. When you read this passage you you've heard some of these things already been said uh, in the book of first corinthians such as uh, the wisdom of the world is foolishness with god um, we've heard that over and over and so that lets us know this is not something to take lightly we've heard that we must become a fool um, or the world sees what we're doing as foolishness so we need to really Take heed of what God is saying to us in the scriptures. These things, when we hear them over and over, they're not to be glanced over, but they're to be taken serious. It's a reminder to us that this is a point that we really have to hone in on. So in last week's passage or last week's text, we saw the illustration of builders that the apostle Paul used to help us understand how we are to fight division that centered around immaturity or the carnality uh, or the carnality of believers within the church. Paul encouraged the church in Corinth to be reminded that they were on a sure foundation. For Paul had established the church and the church was established upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about him establishing the church, but he had established the church in Corinth. But it was on Jesus Christ. Uh, so the foundation that was laid before them was the only foundation that any Bible believing, any spirit filled church could be founded on. Any church that's not founded on the word of God is not a Bible believing, not a spirit filled, not a New Testament church. Oh, I'm glad you said amen to that. <laughs> so now, so from there, we were, we were reminded that we have the foundation and the foundation cannot change. And if the foundation was suitable for one church, it's suitable for every church. 
So Paul begins to remind them that our formation or what we build on top of the foundation, it will be studied. We, we shared that Paul encouraged the church to be sure that the formation would be in line with the foundation because everything that we do would be inspected. It would be tested by fire. The, fire, the test of fire would reveal whether or not the church was seeking to accomplish the mission that was before them. And there is one singular mission that is before the church. It's not, every church don't have different missions. We all have the same commission from Jesus Christ. And this fiery test, it would reveal if we were about the Lord's business. The fiery test would reveal if we were a people of service or we were people who wanted to be served. This fiery test would reveal if we were seeking God's way or seeking our own preference. The fiery test would reveal if we were glorifying God or if we wanted glory for ourselves. The fiery test would reveal if we were magnifying the name of Jesus Christ or if we were performing for, for praise. It, it, it would reveal if we were making God known to the world or if we were attempting to make a name for ourselves in the world. Paul was telling them that the test of fire would reveal the truth about the church. So in today's passage, Paul builds on top of that and he shares that for the Corinthian believers to fight division, they must understand that they have to recognize the reality of deception. There is a reality that deception is all around us and it's even within the church. When we look here in this passage, we begin to see that the church in Corinth, it was a unique church. It was, uh, compared to any of the other churches Paul established, it was very unique in the fact that Corinth was a city that enjoyed philosophy. It enjoyed theology. They were able to enjoy this because they had gained access to the scriptures. So they had the, the Old Testament scriptures and when Paul and Apollos and, and Peter came along, they would expound on these scriptures. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having access to the apostle Paul, the apostle Peter, and the eloquent Apollos to where they could come into your house of worship and they could expound the truth of the scriptures to you? That would be a magnificent and a fascinating thing. And here this church had this access. And according to chapters 12 through 14 here in 1 Corinthians, we find that they had experienced the manifestation of the spiritual gifts within the church. In other words, people weren't ashamed <laughs> to use their spiritual gifts. Whatever the spirit had gifted them with, they were, they were about using it for the glory of God. And I want to remind us here at Reedy Branch, I, 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 we say we're Baptists and I believe we're Baptists theologically. We are Baptists. In practice, uh, we're, we're somewhat Baptists on steroids a little bit. I believe, I believe we really, we really want to worship God and it's okay here regardless of what your background is to raise your hand. It's okay here to stand up and clap. We into worship it's okay here to say amen it's okay to speak out when the holy spirit is leading you to speak out as long as the holy spirit is leading you amen. oh can i let me plug this in 
if you feel like people are just staring at you, it's just the devil. He just can't believe that you're bold enough to do that for the Lord. Don't worry about other people. (laughs) It's just the devil telling you not to do it. So make a decision when you come, am I going to worship God or am I going to heed to what the devil is telling me to do? Folks, we are people that should be rejoiced. And I was thinking about that as, as they were singing this song, Coming Up, the Rough Side of the Mountain. I'm thinking about Brother Bruce and the rough side that he's been climbing. And now he is here with us today and, and how he ought to have been filled with joy. And I'm sure he was just hearing the words of that song. Those of us who, we went six months, six months. Let me say that again, six months without gathering together. And now we are big gathering for since September. I, I want to tell you, we're... We're coming up the rough side of this mountain, but there's victory up ahead. Soon and very soon, it won't be as it has been. The devil is trying to deceive us as we attempt to do what God would have us to do. And here is this church is a, a unique church. He was doing his best to deceive this church. This church was something of what we would consider Mm, at that time, maybe a progressive church or maybe a progressive city. Uh, the city was known for its intellect. It was known for its education. The Corinthians took great pride in their views and their ideas. And, and many, of us, we, many of us, we know one or two or maybe more people who, who are very highly um, fond of their own opinion. If that's the right word, you know, there's, a, there's some folks in this world that think very highly of their own opinion. They don't think much of yours, but they think highly of their own. And this, this sense of pride seemed to be what was the root cause of the deception within the church. It appears that the apostle Paul was warning them not to be deceived while, while the city of Corinth had been an active center of worldwide commercialism. They thought they could bring those same principles that they had used to build the city of Corinth into the church to build the church for the Corinthian believers. However, this is not the case. There are practical things. Now, I I understand this. I'm a lot of things, but one thing I'm not, and I'd argue with with you about this if you thought different. I'm not foolish. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not foolish. I do understand that we, there are things we have to do practically. We have to pay light bills and we have to pay water bills and we have to pay rent or mortgages as churches. We have to pay insurances for buildings that we're using. I get that, but the church does not operate by the same principles as the world. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. What that means is the the church is not dependent upon a man. The church is is not not dependent upon a board of directors. The church is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is a living and breathing body of believers that the Holy Spirit of God has called out into a relationship with God the Father through God the through God's Son Jesus Christ. And therefore, as Christ lives, so does the church live. We are not an organization. So the principles of the organism differ from the principles of the organization. Warren Wiersbe stated this. 
The world depends upon promotion, prestige, and the influence of money and important people. The church depends on prayer, the power of the spirit, humility, sacrifice, and service. The principles of economics, mathematics, and engineering is not what builds the church. What builds the church is the principles found in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, where Jesus answered the question about the greatest commandment when he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If we're following these these two commandments, you know what we're doing? We're loving the gospel. We're living the gospel. And we're sharing the gospel. In order to follow these commands, it takes depending on prayer. In order to follow these commands, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. In order to follow these commands, it takes being willing to humble ourselves. It takes sacrificing time. It takes sacrificing energy. And it takes being willing to serve others. Rather than us being served. So Paul says instead of following the world's plan. We must become fools. Now Paul. When we read that. We need to read it properly. And in its context. Paul's not saying that we become a fool. Paul says we become what the world. Would deem to be a fool. There's a difference there. Because the world's opinion really doesn't matter. When it comes to God. God is the majority all by himself. Aren't you glad you're on the side of the majority? I know there's more lost people in this world than there are Christians in this world. But I know I stand with God. And because I stand with God, I stand with the majority. Because he all by himself is greater than this world and all that it has. Folks, we live in a world and we know what's going on all around us in this world. The world is saying that we need to come out of the dark ages. The world is saying that the church needs to update or revisit its way of thinking. The world is saying that the membership of the church needs to become more inclusive. But Paul reminds us of Job 5 and 13 when it says, But God catches the wise in their own craftiness. And then Paul uses, he shares that the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and and it is useless. You know, the world's wisdom, when you compare it to God's wisdom, (laughs) it's just useless. The Bible uses the word in the New New King James as futile, but it's just useless. That's what that word means. The world is saying that a mother should be able to abort a child in the third trimester. In some parts of the world, they're saying that you ought to be able to abort a child up to the day before it was born. But Jeremiah 1 and 5 God told him, I knew you before you, I formed you in your mother's womb. I, it, it actually says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained your prophet to the nations. This is even before when God blesses a woman with, a, with the opportunity to carry a child. God has a plan for that child. We don't have the right to make that decision. I, and I know there's some feminists in here. And, and that's fine. You can be feminist if you want. But you can't argue the word of God. Amen. The world is saying we need to allow same-sex marriage in the church. When the word of God says in Genesis 2 and 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. And be joined to his wife. Yeah. And they shall be one flesh. 
A man and a man cannot be one flesh. A woman and a woman cannot be one flesh. It takes a man and a woman by birth. By birth. The Bible, the world says, the world is telling us that Everything should be gender neutral. But God says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 18, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. Psalm 139 and 13 says, you, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. If God formed my inward parts, who am I? Who am I to decide that I have a right to change my inward parts? God is the only one that can form us and he chooses us. Listen, I don't know what's going on in the minds of this world, but I know this. When God created you, he created you the way he intended you to be. And no other way will work in your life. You can't be happy changing your gender. You can't be happy changing your the way you look and carry on in your lifestyle until it's lined up with the foundation of Jesus Christ. The world is saying there are many roads to God. And I want to tell you, contrary to what Steve Harvey says, and contrary to what Oprah Winfrey says, Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter how much intelligence we get. It doesn't matter how big of a, uh, an industry our, our area becomes. It doesn't change the word of God. And we'll never be smart enough to fully comprehend the mind of God while we're here on this side of life. He's got so much for us if we'll trust him. The world's saying a lot, but do not be deceived. The church is not built on the principles of the world. The church is built on the principles of God, and his principles are found in his holy word. Well, Paul goes a little bit further in here by encouraging the Corinthian believers that they're going to de- if they're going to defeat this division, that they must recognize not only the reality of deception... But they must resolve to be devoted to God. What does this mean when we see the resolution to be devoted to God? It means that we've got a made up mind. It means that we're sold out. It means that this is just the way it is. God said it and that settles it. It doesn't matter if I believe it. God said it and that settles it. In order to be devoted to God, we, mu- we cannot boast in men, which is exactly what was going on in the church here in Corinth. They, what, was, what it means is they couldn't look to these men for their hope in this life. God is the giver and the sustainer of life, and, he can, and we can only place our confidence and hope in the Lord and in his will. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure you all have someone or maybe you have more than just one that, that's in your life and, and you trust them and you have confidence in them. And, and for me, there's two pastors that I speak with weekly, uh, oftentimes multiple times a week. And I value their, their thoughts because our conversations are always centered around the word of God and around the ministry of the church. 
uh, Pastor David Oxendine, Pastor Mark Fields, they are great men of God. From what I know about them and from the conversations that I have with them, I truly trust these guys and I believe they are men of God and, and we are partners in ministry. Now, Proverbs 27 and 17 says that iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, which means that that we are to help each other as we grow in this walk with the Lord. And I truly value their friendship. I pray that our friendships continue to grow, but, but I don't place my hope in either one of these men. And neither one of these men places their hope in me. Instead, we're not in competition with one another. Instead, we are co-workers in the ministry. These guys are in the same position I'm in. We've been called by God. We, we exist to serve the local body of believers that we've been assigned to. And neither of us are to be glorified by our congregations that we serve. Instead, should we be appreciated? Yes. <laughs> According to scripture, we should be appreciated. Should we, should the work that we do be valued? According to scripture, yes, our work should be valued. But the devotion of the congregation should not be toward their pastor. The devotion of the congregation must be to the Lord. So Paul is telling the Corinthian believers this, not to say that they belong to Paul, or that they belong to Apollos, or that they belong to Cephas. He, he's telling them that they, not to say that they, that, that in, in other words, they belong to one another. They don't belong to someone. We all belong to one another. Listen, folks, if you ever get the idea that I think that, that I'm above you, come talk with me. Come have a conversation with me and remind me that, that I've got to get off my high horse because we're all in this together. God's just called me into this position, but he's not called me above you. He's called me to serve you. If anything, I would bow down before you and wash your feet. He's not called me to be above you or to think myself that highly. He's called me to see myself and to see you as a reflection of myself and help us all to become a reflection of Jesus Christ. Warren Wiersbe said this, perhaps we can't help but have our personal preferences when it comes to the way men minister the word. But we must not permit our personal preferences to become divisive prejudices. In fact, the preacher I may enjoy the least may be the one I need the most. In essence, Paul is saying that whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. All are yours. He's saying that we should not be focusing on these things. Because all of these things are already a part of our lives. But we should be fully devoted to the Lord. We should be looking to Jesus Christ. Because it was Jesus Christ who left the portals of glory. And came to this sin-cursed world. It was Jesus, the Son of God, who came to be born of a virgin, who was wrapped in strips of cloth for his first clothes, who was laid in an animal's trough for his first bed. 
It was Jesus that the Bible declares in Philippians 2, 6 through 7. It says, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men. It was Jesus who in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, who knew no sin, but was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Because Jesus, it was him that we find in 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 that says, that we were bought by him with a price so we are to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit because we belong to God we belong to God because we believe he we believe on the one who was suspended between heaven and earth we believe on the one who cried out father forgive them for they know not what to do we believe on the one who said that it is finished becoming the ultimate once and for all sacrifice for the sin of the world we believe in the one who was placed in a barred tomb the one who on the third day arose from the grave the one who's at the right hand of the father making intercession for you and I the one who at the command of the father is coming back to receive us unto himself the one Jesus Christ is the one that we look to in this life and folks if we want to be a united body of believers we must resolve to continue to be devoted to the Lord and what he desires for our lives man aren't you glad you love the Lord (laughs) those of you who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior aren't you glad that he saved you and that he loves you and that you can depend solely upon him. Man, I, how many is glad that they, that they have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? How many is glad to be able to say that he's my savior and one day I'm going to reign with him. One day I'm going to live with him. One day it's all going to be about him and nothing else in this world. Oh, folks, we ought to be excited about that. That the one who left everything to come to this world and give all of himself for us, we get to be a part of him for eternity. <laughs> yeah, we as the church, we ought to be beside ourselves, haven't we? And when we think about all that Jesus has done and all that we have to look forward to, <laughs> a place where there's no crying and no dying, a place where there's no sickness, a place where Jesus is the sun, a place where the sun never goes down, a place where it's howdy, howdy and never goodbye, a place where there'll be nothing to molest our joy. Oh, we ought to be excited. We ought to be excited, but I wonder I wonder, for you who are unsaved, for you who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what has your devotion? Who or what are you looking to to bring fulfillment into your world? Where are you looking for peace and joy? Where are you looking for strength and comfort? I assure you today upon the authority of God's word that it will only be found in Jesus Christ. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the only way you're going to experience the joy and the peace that God has for you. It's the only way you're going to have the strength and comfort 
that God has prepared for you. So I wonder today, would you, as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, as they make preparations to begin this song of invitation, would you consider giving your devotion to the one who died for you? And that while we are sinners, he died for us. Well, preacher, I'm afraid that I will mess up. Well, I'm sure you will. So as every born-again believer ever walked the face of the earth, they've messed up. Well, what about Paul? Well, Paul got so angry with John Mark, he refused to disciple John Mark and told him he couldn't go with him on another mission trip. But at the end of Paul's life, he called for John Mark to come to where he was at so he could get things straight with him. Listen, you will fall. You will fail. But we have a risen Savior who is alive and will be forevermore. And he will come when we call upon the name of the Lord and he'll lift us up when we have fallen. And he'll set our feet in his pathways. Would you today trust him? Trust him. Let him be Lord of your life. Well, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you'll just pray with me. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then I invite you just to pray with me. God, I am a sinner. I'm lost. And right now, I know if you come to get me, I don't have a home in heaven. But God, you've reserved or you've created a place for me to be with you. And God, right now, I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe he's your only begotten son. And he died for my sins. I believe, God, that he arose from the grave for my victory. And he's coming back to receive his church to himself. And God, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me white as snow. For I want to spend eternity with you. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for the joy and the peace that I have right now. Thank you for your comforting hand that's upon me. And now I trust you for strength to share with others that I am now a child of God. So God, use me for your glory. As I glorify your name and magnify the name of your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, if you've prayed this prayer. And with all your heart you believe Jesus is your savior. Would you come today?